Welcome to Normalizing Excellence. Everyone treads their own path and we can all learn from each other's journey to optimize our own paths. Today we're going to be meeting an accomplished aerospace engineer and learn about his journey. My name is Elliot, your host, and I look forward to bringing you more podcasts in this series so we can learn from each other. Enjoy. All right, we're recording. Can you see me? We're recording. (laughs) Excellent. High production. I know, high production value over here. All right. Welcome, Patrick. Mm. Today is just a casual conversation um, about your journey to get to where you are at today. Uh, This is the Normalizing Excellence podcast. And thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no, you. Uh, my pleasure, man. Awesome, dude. We're going to start with some quick warm-up questions. Quick fire. Don't think about them too much. Just c- say what comes to your mind first. All right. What would you sing at karaoke? Muse. What would you rather do? Mow the lawn, fold the clothes, or clean the house? None. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, probably mow the lawn. Okay. But you don't have a lawn to mow. No, it makes me sad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How many pairs of shoes do you own? Three. Three? Okay. That's an interesting number of pairs of shoes. Hmm. Okay. Uh, are you organized or chaotic? I'm probably chaotic. I'd like to be more organized, but probably chaotic. Okay. Wake up early or late? Late. Have you ever been told you look like someone famous? Yeah. <laughs> Who? Um, when I was um, younger, still kind of in, in high school, um, everyone, I just worked at Coles mm-hmm. on the um, checkouts and a lot of people said I looked like Toby Maguire. Oh, right. <laughs> and I did. I, yeah? I, yeah, one time I took a photo of myself and I almost looked exactly <laughs> like him. And um, I know these are supposed to be quick questions, but um, I did have a kid come in one day who thought I was Toby Maguire so much yeah. that he asked for my signature. Oh, yes. Did you give it to him? And I signed it and I said... <laughs> Did you sign it as Toby though? No, I was like, keep web-slinging little fella Spider-Man. He <laughs> thought I was Spider-Man, not Toby Maguire. He thought I was Spider-Man. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, That's his awesome. mum thought that was great. Yeah, was yeah. Like, Thank you. Thanks for that. Because every time we come in, he's <laughs> like, are we going to Spider-Man's uh, checkout? <laughs> Do you think he'd be working at <laughs> He, he's, he works there now because he thinks that's why superheroes work when they're, when they're not out doing stuff. I love it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, what would you eat for breakfast this morning? Uh, fruits. Yep. Yep. What's a strange family tradition? I don't know. We don't really have a whole lot of traditions. No? No. Okay. No, I really couldn't answer that, actually. That's good. All righty. That's all the quick warm-up questions. How do you feel? Warmed up. Excellent. <laughs> nice and toasty. Yeah. <laughs> trying to breathe into this. Thing. No, it doesn't matter. All righty. I'm going to start from the beginning. All right. Whereabouts did you grow up? I grew up most of my um, childhood in Redcliffe on the north side. Brisbane? Probably, yeah, in Brisbane. Um, I did spend a little bit of time down in Victoria, but mainly Redcliffe and north side of Brisbane. And you are born in Brisbane? Yeah. Yeah, I was born in the Marta Hospital. Marta Hospital, Brisbane. Mm. Public, private? Public. Yep. And um, 
when you said you went to Victoria for a period of time, for how long was that and when was that? I was in grade five, about three or four months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just um, went down there because of uh, my mum remarried mm-hmm. someone and um, he was originally from Ballarat, mm-hmm. Victoria. So I went down to, we went to Ballarat mm. um, and stayed there for a little bit, but I think it just wasn't very well suited to mum. She didn't like the weather. Okay. So yeah, we all just came back. All together? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Eventually. And so how, how would you characterise the first five years of your life, if you can remember? I think they were pretty good. Yeah. I, I can't really remember a whole lot before like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like those tidbits memories like, I was on a swing one time in a park and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, home life was was, was, was okay. Mm-hmm. It was all right. Um, I um, just grew up with my brother in those in the first five years or so. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess like I kind of don't really remember anything particularly special about it. And you have a good relationship with your brother? Yeah, I've got two brothers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one's up in... Darwin, um, so we chat sometimes and see at Christmas mm-hmm. when he comes down. And my other brother, um, yeah, I have a, I have a good relationship with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably as good as what you can. Um, he's got a like a uh, mental disability. Mm-hmm. He's got a handicap, and he's also got autism. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we have a good relationship. Um, yeah, but it's just I think at a certain level, like like you have to have fun and converse with him at a certain level. Mm. But I think I got used to, that's probably one thing I do remember from growing up was um, having my brother like that and just him being (coughs) different to other friends, siblings and that was Mm. having a a brother that's a little bit different to everyone else. Do you find that challenging? No, not really. No, he just, you you live with it all the time Mm. and you just, that's just my brother. Yeah. So you just live day to day and, just do stuff with them and you don't you don't think about too much and I think I like moved out of home mum and mum and dad broke up when I was eight mm-hmm. so maybe a little bit later on in life if we were still living together I would have noticed it more but um mum and I left and my brother stayed with my dad okay and is your brother older or younger um older, older. about nine years older oh okay right and you're the youngest brother yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the youngest sibling yeah yep. yeah you have a sister as well right yeah yeah how old's your sister? Um, Belinda is. She's like eight. Uh, she's like sixteen years older than me. Sixteen, eighteen years older. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I actually can't remember exactly how old she was. Born in born in uh, nineteen seventy. So mm-hmm. whatever that makes an hour fifty two or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how did you feel growing up with significantly older siblings? Yeah. Well, um, the older two, Sean and Belinda. Um, I don't really remember. Even in those first five or so years, mm-hmm. when they would have been at home, I just don't remember. Um, earliest stuff that I remember is maybe a little bit of my oldest brother, Sean, being at home. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it's just mainly my other brother, Matthew, who's the the other younger one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, they'd moved out before I could really remember. And, and my brother was, because my brother's like 18 years older than me, he pretty much left to go to the military. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, before I had memories, basically. Yeah. Okay. And did you, in some ways, feel like an only child in that regard? Yeah. 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 Especially after um, uh, mum and dad broke up. Definitely. Yeah. And you continued because you went with your mum. Did you feel like you built much a, a much stronger relationship with your mother? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, it like definitely has its has had its ups and downs and goods and bads and that. But um, mm. yeah, I'm not very close with that. Mm-hmm. W- would you like to be closer with your your father, or is it something that probably not? <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tried and I really would have liked to have. Mm-hmm. And I did try a couple of times. And um, he's just, he's like his own dude. Mm-hmm. And I think in retrospect, he probably shouldn't have had kids. Mm-hmm. So he's just, he engages at the level that he wants to engage at, which is pretty minimal sometimes. Mm. Yeah. But you wouldn't be here, so... No, no, definitely. Like, I'm not gonna um, say I don't appreciate appreciate uh, being here or him helping me to be here. Um, yeah. But I suppose, like, you, as you get older, you kind of uh, choose how much time you spend with your family. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, yeah, I remember one time thinking, uh, one, one time hearing and uh, hearing this and thinking about it for a while, like. Um, um, like, yeah, you don't have to be friends with your, your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you can literally eject them from your life if they're really terrible people. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would you want to you know, keep being around that? Mm-hmm. And you can still uh, love them, but you don't have to like them. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. But, um, yeah, probably, um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Alrighty. <clears throat> so moving on. Your uh family have parted ways. You're moving to your teenage years now. You've come back to Queensland and you're going to uh high school here in Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in Redcliffe. Redcliffe, yeah. And then uh at that point of your life, what were you thinking about in regards to your aspirations for the future in high school i'm not sure i guess um i was just trying to get through school Mm -hmm. um kind of one step at a time um i did when i got to later in high school i started doing like robotics Mm -hmm. um and i really wanted to do engineering so that was when i started to really think about being an engineer Mm mm-hmm um, and I was always pretty confident at that sort of stuff. I'd pull apart things at home and pull apart PlayStations and computers and uh, radio control stuff and fix them. And um, I enjoyed doing it. So I started to really feel like I'd want to do something like that. Yeah. Okay. And so you had these kind of thoughts of doing engineering at that period of time. And so you, what were you doing in your spare time? Were you just mostly hanging out with friends or were you spending more time with yourself, more time with family? 
what were the kind of things that you were filling your time with? Probably a lot of um, hanging out with friends and and um, a lot of PlayStation. Yeah, a lot of uh, so like me and a couple of friends in high school, we like competitively play Grand Theft Auto. Yep. You know, who, when it comes out, who can beat it first? Right. And and then we'd often just play together, go and hang out at each other's places, yep. um, play games like that with each other. Um, and a lot of bike riding. I used to really like going out, going for rides. Mm-hmm. So uh, me and some friends would go out for a couple of hours at a time sometimes and just ride around and explore mm-hmm. and have that kind of sense of freedom that you want as you're getting older, that mm-hmm. I can just go get on my bike and just go wherever I want. I'll see you when I get home, mum, sort of thing. Yeah, uh, I think that's um benefit of growing up the safety of Australia, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, for typical sure. Typical of a lot of childhoods here, I yeah. think. Yeah, okay. And so did you, during that time, have any sort of mentor to kind of push you towards any of the career aspirations you had at the time? So you're thinking, oh, I'm thinking engineering. Did, was someone telling you that, at the time or supporting you in that, that dream? No. Okay. No, no. I, I, I did get a bit of support uh, in those later years at high school doing robotics because mm-hmm. I was, uh, the teacher I had was really, he was a really good teacher and um, he, he really loved science and, and engineering. So he really, um, I think he saw, I only met him actually a couple of weeks ago. Again, mm-hmm. I hadn't seen him for like 18 years. Yep. And, um, yeah, we chatted for hours, but um, he was a good guy and he really, I think, saw that I really enjoyed doing it and I was good at it. Mm-hmm. So that was probably in those last couple of years of high school where I started to feel like someone was helping me out. Yeah. You know, kind of being a bit of a mentor and um, uh, giving me some guidance. Yeah. And do you think he became uh, a figure in your life um, that you could – speak to about any of your problems as well or open up about? No. No, probably probably more just like academic stuff. Yeah. Okay. And do you feel like during this time of your schooling that you were missing out um, on having a father figure in your life? Uh, At the time, no. Um, But um, reflecting later, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't notice it at the time, and as a kid, you, you just can't piece it together. Like, what's what's wrong? What's going on? But yeah, the more I look back, I think that's that's probably one of the biggest things that I was missing growing up. Mm-hmm. Would have made a big difference if it, if I had it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so, um, what would you say was a defining moment of your teenage years at high school? Um, I probably had a a couple of smaller moments. I can't think of anything too too big, but I guess some of those smaller moments sometimes can actually be really meaningful later. So um, there was there was one moment there where um, I was in a robotics class and we were um, building this robot to do line following and. Um, um, I, like I have always been a bit of the outcast kid and, um, copped a lot of bullying growing up, mm-hmm. um, good solid 10 years or something of it. Like it was, it was, um, 
just pretty constant. And like you always sort of get um, classed as, you know, the bit of the outcast. Um, and so doing this robotics, I was on a team full of these high achievers in high school and um, they were on the music program and in um, what's it called, like school leadership positions and stuff like that. So they were like, they were the cool kids, they were the, the top kids and they really didn't want to uh, let me have a chance to build anything or have any sort of input to this thing because they, they wanted their grades. Um, they went off to music camp one time or, or a music lesson of some sort that took up the whole robotics um, lesson. Um, and I think just being a quiet achiever, like I, I was in this robotics course because I'd done all of the sciences that the school had, had to offer and um, robotics was the only thing left that I hadn't done. Um, so I guess, yeah, I was, I was a quiet achiever and I didn't really realise how good I was doing uh, because of the influence of other people around me. But they went off to their music class and um, you could program this robot in a way that you didn't delete other people's work. So I thought, I'm just, I've got an hour. I'll just, I'll just program this thing the way that I would program it. Um, and in an hour, I got it to work pretty spot on. Awesome. And three of these people, these other kids, had been working on it together for about two lessons previously and just couldn't get it to work. And... Um, yeah, that was probably one of the uh, one of the bigger defining moments was like realizing that um, um, like I am pretty good at doing that sort of thing, mm. um, and I think that changed a lot of people's perspectives of me for the rest of school. They kind of thought, oh, they realized that I was a quiet achiever then, and they kind of realized like, oh, he can actually really he can do these things, mm. and um, I remember them coming back to the class the next time and they said. Um, I said, oh, yeah, I've just programmed this myself. You know, haven't deleted your, your, your stuff, so don't, don't worry. Like, mm. It's still there. And they were all upset about it. And um, <laughs> and then I showed them mine working like mint. <coughs> and they were just like, what? <laughs> and then the, and then for the rest of the semester, I programmed everything. They yeah. just like give it to him. So yeah. That was good. That's yeah. really good. That was good. And do you think before that point, because you mentioned that you're getting bullied quite a lot, um, that was obviously having a huge effect on your confidence, being able to take a lead role in some of these projects. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> probably didn't feel like a lead role at the time. It mm-hmm. probably just, it just felt like it was good to have, to be given some responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think that that is probably one of the things that you really miss out on when you don't grow up father yeah is um dads tend to like uh, maybe more on average tend to give their kids these challenges to do and give them stuff and say you take it and you do it and i feel that mothers are a bit more nurturing and they'll take care of their kids so mums are like oh are you okay and dads are like off you go (laughs) you'll be right (laughs) yeah and i didn't get any of the you'll be right like here he'd do this yeah, like I just had a lot of stuff done for me, which um, sounds cool, but it's not. Yeah, because after a while, you don't learn anything. Yeah, you don't get any confidence that you can do anything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think after that moment in school, I started to actually think like I can do stuff. Yeah. Um, and other people believe that I can do stuff. 
So like a, we went to the robotics, the RoboCup competition, the national one, uh, mm. a couple of years in a row, and um, uh, yeah, we, I, I was the only one programming it, and I think we topped, uh, we we got top eight two years in a row in wow. the country. Um, yeah, in soccer. So you really excelled with that. You took it, you run, you ran with it, um, and it helped you. I kind of develop your not only your um technical skills but also your social skills as well yeah 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 that's fantastic and the teacher that you're mentioning earlier was he directly involved with that class yeah yeah so he was a head of department for science he was the teacher and the coordinator for the robotics and he ended up because this was back in 2002 Mm -hmm. he was like one of the first teachers in the state and i think even maybe the country that um was actually doing this. He sort of helped formulate the idea of robotics in schools. Yeah. Which is funny because Redcliffe is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's great. All righty. Moving forward, you've, you've done all this cool stuff at the end of school. You've got a bit of confidence back. Coming up to 18, 20 years old, take me back. What are you doing? Um, that was when I was doing my apprenticeship. Right. And what apprenticeship <laughs> was that? Um, I was doing like a aircraft maintenance engineering. I mean, avionics or electronics. Yep. yep. And what what made you take the step towards that direction in the apprenticeship? Were you feeling that you weren't capable of doing maybe an engineering degree at that period of time? What made you make that choice? I guess um, I don't feel like I got to make that choice as much as I would have liked to have. I feel like um, there was a lot of um, my mum's influence there. So it was something I wanted to do combined with something that she liked the sound of. So it matched up, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Okay. Like I th- I thought it was a good idea at the time, but uh, yeah, after I finished it and was working there for a while, I kind of realised, oh, it's, this is... Uh, this is not right. Okay. Well, so how did that conversation go? Um, um, yeah. So I guess it was you know, I come to the table when I want to do engineering sort of work, electronics. I really like that sort of stuff. I even thought that I was going to go to UQ and do electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then unfortunately, despite the fact that a lot of the bullying and the, the, the rubbish of high school are toned right down by grade 11. I still just had a couple of hang-ons, like a couple of people who just didn't want to let it go. And I mean, I was doing okay. I didn't really care too much about it. I was like, all right, you know, whatever. Um, it's usually the, the most idiotic ones that keep bullying, even despite the fact that everyone else thinks you're okay now and they just want to, yeah, they, they just want to still be the cool cool kid, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I just had another bullying incident. And um, mum just, um, she she sort of cracked. She just, she just didn't, she couldn't handle that one very well. And I, it wasn't even, to my memory, it wasn't even really a big deal. But she just, I think she felt like the school wasn't looking after me. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. She was like, I'm pulling you out of school. At what age, sorry? Grade 11. Grade 11, okay. So I never finished grade 11 mm-hmm. and I got pulled out of school. 
And I think what happened in that conversation was that I wanted to do the electronics and the aircraft stuff because I love the aircraft as well. Like, oh, that's probably something else I should mention. Like yeah. When I uh, when Top Gun, when I was like six, I found Top Gun. Okay. And I watched it like thirty times in a row. <laughs> And a lot of aerospace, like a lot of just planes, just loved planes. Yeah. So then it was like planes, electronics. Um, the other thing is, is growing up with just mum, uh, we really didn't have a lot of money. Like we were quite, I wouldn't say poverty, but we were skimming the line of poverty sometimes. Single mum. Yeah. After kids, yeah. Um, She's getting some, you know, some assistance from dad and doing a little bit of work herself, but really the budget is like was a razor. Mm. So you do an apprenticeship and you get paid. Mum is like electronics and planes and money and just yeah. And then I think she sort of, I was halfway there and she sort of convinced me that that was the right thing to do. Yeah. But I think in the back of my head, I still thought like I just want to go to uni. I wanted to. Do do wanted to build stuff mm. and i think i had kind of convinced myself like oh, i'll probably be doing some building as a tradesman yeah but um yeah you're not okay all right so you exit school grade 11 um halfway through the year or something random like that yeah. okay after this event right and were you feeling particularly traumatized from this event at all or it was just more like you said yeah no, not really felt like no. what was a big deal yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think just that at that point, um, you know, it was the easy way out as well. Yep. And um, mum was pretty adamant about it, so I was like, oh, all right, yep. Okay. Sounds good, I'll go along with that. But I, it, it wasn't, like, so traumatising or anything like that. I would have been fine if I just kept going. I could have ignored it. Yep. Yeah. So um, you've had this conversation with your mum and – You've gone into a program with who to do a Um <clears throat> There's a place at Brisbane Airport called Aviation Australia mm-hmm. who did the like year theory um, that you do for the trades. Right. Some so people go to TAFE. You know, if you're going to go to be a carpenter or something like that, you get to TAFE for a little bit and do TAFE courses. Yep. Yeah, Aviation Australia did, was the um, – yeah, was that equivalent. It's a government organisation, AA, I think used to be private. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be an RTO, like a private thing, but it might be a government now. I think it is. Um, yeah, okay. So you've, you've done a year there and you're you're straight on the tool straight away. Is, is that mm. how it works? Yep. Yeah, so okay. oh, you have to apply yep. um, for places. It'll take you as an apprentice. And um, yeah. Oh, so you do a year theory with them, straight up theory. Yeah, no guarantees. Right. Like you, you pay them for the course. Right. Um, and it was only about 3000 or something at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, no guarantees. You just have to go and apply for the practical side of the apprenticeship then. And yeah. And accepted by someone. Okay. And and do you think leaving school that period of time, starting an apprenticeship, basically going out into the world a little bit earlier than all of your friends, did that damage some of the relationship you had with your friends or did you feel a little bit more of an outsider in that car, in that way or something like that? Yeah, probably felt like an outsider again. I don't think it damaged relationships i think it just distanced yeah so you know i have a couple of friends who thought it was awesome yeah it's like oh you're going to work on planning to get paid and we're yeah. still in grade 12 and yeah. like 
Yeah, they some thought that was great, but yeah. it also meant that um, because Aviation Australia is in the city region and it's forty five minutes from Redcliffe, and we weren't even living at Redcliffe anymore at that point. Yeah, I just didn't get to see friends so much anymore. Yeah. Okay. And so you've done your year there and then you started um, working as an apprentice for who after that? Um, it was originally Qantas Defence Services. Okay. It's like a subsidiary of Qantas that was out at RAF Base Ambling. Yeah. And you continue your training during that period of time as an apprentice for how long? Ideally three years. Yep. You just got to f- fill a logbook out. Right. That relate to competencies that... Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you could... You could do it faster, essentially. Yeah, or? some people did it faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Technically, you could do it faster. Right. Okay. Um, so you're working through this apprenticeship, and as you mentioned earlier, you weren't really sure if that was the right direction. Were you feeling that way throughout the whole apprenticeship? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At the start, it was good, but I think after about a year. I've just started to feel a little bit in the wrong place. Right. Okay. And did you have any relationships during this period of time? Anyone else enter your life that kind of made you change any of your opinions about what you were doing? Or Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Tell me a bit about that. So that would have been when a lot of stuff changed for me. Right. Um, yeah, I met this, um, this girl. Um, uh, her name was Claire. Mm-hmm. And she was from a, a very different background to me. So um, that had quite a big effect on my life, my the direction and probably just the overall attitude and stuff that I have about things. So Negative or positive? Um, quite positive. Okay. Quite positive. Yeah. Um, don't know <clears throat> how to articulate it very well, but I grew up. You know, like not uh, not very well off, you know, like I was saying before. Mm-hmm. She grew up in a much wealthier sort of a place. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up by myself and she grew up with seven siblings. Mm. She's almost, the more I think about it, she's almost like the opposite of me. Yeah. Um, and yet we were very similar as well. Okay. Uh, probably similar in personality, but just very opposite in growing up experiences. So... She'd always had a lot of support for education, like um, got to get to uni and um, do well and you know do something that you like and all that, which is stuff I'd just not heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a lot of siblings, so she was very social and she knew how to get along with a lot of people because um, it's growing up with so many people. Mm-hmm. And the household just felt very alive and exciting. And I'd go around there and it was just very different. Um, and... Um, yeah, her whole attitude towards that sort of stuff was very different and towards um, just lifestyle, everything. Right. And so um, at what what point, what age did you meet her? I was, um, I was about 19. 19. 20. So you'd only just 20. been a year into the apprenticeship, well, a year and a half maybe into the apprenticeship at that point. Two. Two, yeah, years. two years. Okay. Yep. So two years into the apprenticeship, um, you meet Claire. You're working at Qantas at still at that point. Yep. And um, were you starting to formulate some ideas about what you wanted to do 
after finishing your apprenticeship because of through that yep. development of that relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I um I thought I'd finish off the trade and <clears throat> be a tradesman and see how it went and didn't really know where I was going to go from there. I just keep trucking along and let it unfold and figure it out as I went. Right. Uh, but talking with Claire and, and being with her, I she gave me a lot of support the idea of going back to study and travel and, and do stuff like that. Stuff that was always, always just felt uh, way beyond my horizons. Mm-hmm. Um, like growing up and the idea of going and traveling further than an hour was just unheard of. Mm. Um, like we went, we did stuff, our family, like that's probably an exaggeration. One hour, just, just <laughs> one hour a drive. But, um, but you had restrictions. On yeah. Just do. like, Oh, I'm going to, go to Europe for a month like no nah, nah, that's that's just like pipe dream so so at that point you hadn't left the country no no no, no I'd always um been around the area and spent that time in, in in Victoria but that was it yeah um and I don't think my mum had left the country at that point either wow um yeah it seems strange to say that now but yeah that's just the way we grew up yeah like that was just one of those things that was inaccessible and you just didn't even, like, you think it'd be a good idea, but you just kind of know that it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how things like that get internalised to the point where even when you do have the ability to do it, you'll still think that you can't. So, yeah, I think that's where Claire came along and really changed opinions there. And um, we went over, when uh, like, um, since been overseas a lot, um, travelled a lot, and really, um, I think she helped me kind of expand my abilities and my desires yeah uh, realizing like i actually do like to travel and meet different people and see different cultures and, and understand things and i just wouldn't have been aware of that otherwise if i hadn't um met her and and um, been influenced by her yeah it's really interesting how relationships with other people can really adapt you as a person mm. um and you do grow a lot during those early years together yeah Yep. Yeah, so she also convinced me, like, you should go to uni. Yep. So I, I went back and had to finish high school um, at TAFE. So tell me a bit 12. about that process. So you've um, you've been working as an apprentice. How old are you when you decided to make that decision? I think I was still an apprentice at that point. This would have been, like, 2008, 2009. Right. So, um, you know, like, 23. Like, it's only a couple of years out of starting the apprenticeship. Right. Yeah. Mm. So, and then, so how how does one go through this process to um, finish high school after not finishing high school? Oh, you just um, go and do, uh, you go to TAFE and you do like a um, adult tertiary prep. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it's the equivalent of grade 11 and 12. And you get like an A, uh, what's it called? An ATAR rank and stuff like that, like you would from high school. So, um, yeah, do that. Yeah. Then you can you, you get your rank to get into uni like you, like usual, right? And so as soon as you got that rank, which took you how long? One year. One year, mm. and you felt confident doing that at that period of time. You had that that support there to get you through that, or did you find it very challenging? Or were you questioning yourself at the same it, time? It was challenging um, because I didn't know how to study. Right, I've never been great at studying in high school, and then um, and then I went back to TAFE. Uh, to do high school stuff like almost 10 years after high school yeah 
and I had to kind of relearn how to study properly. There's a lot of stuff came to me. Um, just I, I, I guess I just could figure things out naturally pretty easily. But there's a lot of just time and repetition and devotion to practicing something, especially when you get into uni. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of gets really difficult. Yep. But you got through that year okay, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You applied for the course and what course did you apply for? Um, I applied for medical imaging. Right. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about that decision. It's a bit left field. Yeah. Yeah. Spanner is in the oh, works. Yeah. yeah, it was a weird one. Okay. Well, what did I do? <laughs> um, I, I, I think, like I was saying before, I started to find out I really liked um, people and cultures and, and, and I think I realised maybe I'm a lot more social than I thought I was just with all of the crap in high school. Yeah. Um. So then I put the put those things together and thought, well, I'd like to help people and do something technical. And um, I thought if I was a radiographer, mm-hmm. I would be you working with medical equipment and setting up stuff and you know, working with patients and helping people. And I kind of put those things together, uh, not realizing that like in radiography, you really don't really do much with the machines. There's a lot of automation and mm. button pressing. So six months into that course, after doing like some uh, some practical um, course, uh, some some kind of like practical in hospital course sort of stuff, I was like, "Oh, this just feels like my apprenticeship again. Like I'm just pushing buttons. Yeah. I'm not really thinking. I'm not really doing what I what I want. I'm being more creative about it. <clears throat> so um, so then I thought I'll change to science, and I started doing astrophysics, <laughs> which is another. <laughs> That's term. a huge leap, isn't so another, it? Another term. just finished high school, essentially, right? Like yeah, you, you did yeah. your your little your course to finish mm. that. You know, you've been doing your apprenticeship for the last. You know, well, we apprenticeship you did six years basically until this point, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess I was very confident. Yeah. I thought like um, I'd done pretty well in that high school course. I thought yeah. that oh, I might do half decent and just get enough to get into uni. Um, and I got like a 99. So good. And what a fantastic mindset because a lot of people at that point in time would be questioning themselves. They're not even sure they could do it. Yeah. And they yeah. go, you know, not many people would say, oh, I'm just going to give astrophysics a go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that it's, it's quite a leap mm. for, for not having finished high school at that point, right. Earlier. Mm. And then coming back, doing that, becoming more academic and then just making this decision to do that. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, 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 no, it was, um, I was excited. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I was I was very determined. I, I don't know exactly what those motivators were. Maybe. Um, That's going to be my next question. What was driving oh, yeah. you? Yeah, I just, how could I put it? Um, oh, it's, I'm trying to think of a, a uh, good way of putting it. Um, I'll just I'll just say it how I'm thinking it. Um, I think it's like poor person motivation, right? If that makes sense. It's like um, I I will do it. I'll prove you all wrong, and I'll be better, and I won't live down here anymore. I'm sick of living down here. Wow. It's um. It's not money. You know, I'm not after money. I'm just. Sick of feeling, I was just sick of feeling like I was 
almost forced to live down here with the bullying and they're being pulled out of school and sort of not feeling like I could do anything. And then that time in the robotics class when it was obvious that I could do something and I was actually pretty good. And then I did my apprenticeship and I, during that apprenticeship, I kind of realised like I'm not, uh, and this is probably one of the reasons why I left that apprenticeship, was like I'm not uh, interested in fixing these things. I'm interested in designing them. And I would look at the way that they were designed, some of these instruments, and think, like, I could do that better. Like, mm-hmm. I know how you could make this better. And so I thought, like, even though, even if I'm wrong, and this, it wouldn't make it better, the, the fact that, it, that I wanted to, the fact that I was uh, having that sort of insight towards these things, and then I get to high, this high school equivalency and just, like, max the course out. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm all right, mm-hmm. okay. And then I just thought, well, maybe I only feel like I'm down here somewhere in the, the the low levels of society because of what I believe and what I think other people have led me to believe. Mm. Um, and, like, I'm sick of it. Mm. So, yeah, and I was like, I'll just do astrophysics. <laughs> really raised the bar as you yeah. were trying to do that. Yeah, so I was having fun doing it. And I think actually what ended up happening was um, I was doing okay in the course. It was fine. But I just yeah. thought I really have to do a PhD to get anywhere in this field. Otherwise, a lot of people were saying they're finishing their course. And as cool as it sounds, doing astrophysics, the bachelor's course, you still kind of just end up being a lab assistant for five years or something unless you do a PhD. Yeah, earning 60K a year or something. Yeah. So if I was that, like, yeah, I was yeah. like, nah. And then have to wait seven years to to do that. So. Yeah. So you you did your six months of uh, radiography. Yep. You go. Okay, I'm switching to astrophysics. I did that for a year. A year. All right. So you've done done a year and a half of uni at this stage. I'm going like this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's too much. That's not enough. That's uh, this is a challenge, or no, this is not quite what I want. This is going to take too long. And like, I yeah, I was kind of like finding a settling point. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah. Yeah, so I was still seeing Clara at the time and we'd had very kind of off, on and off again relationship, which I is probably an entire thing, you know, podcast on its own, <laughs> so I won't get into that. Um, but I think at that point, due to changing degrees, because in 2014 I would then change to engineering. Right. Which and engineering, yeah. electrical engineering, yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, at that point I think... Um, changing degrees, not being 100% sure of what I wanted to do and um, many other things going on in the background, um, we broke up. Right. And uh, we'd been together for the best part of like seven years. It's mm. a long time. Um, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, started engineering, had that happen within like, well, a month before I started the course. And... Um, yeah, it was funny because I I obviously was very down about it, but going to uni, again, I felt like like I will do this. I will get through this now. Mm. Like I don't care. Like I don't care how, how long it takes or how hard it is or anything. Like I will do this course. Right. Um, and I remember thinking that very, very clearly for many years in the first few years of my course and I had some pretty uh, – rough experiences even in that course with um 
and like classmates committing suicide and um, right, yeah, and so even someone you were that, close with, yeah, yeah, right, and even through all of that, like I just still kept thinking like I will not like fail at this. What a mindset. Yeah, I just, I just didn't want to. I just, I, I felt like I, 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 I just felt like I wouldn't let life beat me. I didn't know what I was fighting against, but I think in retrospect, I was like, I will not let life, everything that is in life, just beat me here and then put me into some hole. Mm-hmm. And as engineering went on, I kind of also started to realize, like, if I don't finish this degree. It's been a long time since I worked full time. Yeah. I could be in a bit of trouble here. <laughs> and I was like, I really better finish. So towards the end, I was really even more motivated to finish. Yeah. And um, was kind of struggling along that degree. Um, for other reasons, I didn't really realize at the time until later, until I found out that I have um, fairly severe sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was having a lot of trouble concentrating and getting through exams and assignments. Um, that wasn't fun. That was like the equivalent of sleeping three hours a night every night, constantly. Um, and you can never catch up. Yeah, sleep like twelve hours, and it doesn't make you feel any better. So, um, do you think they got worse as you got older? Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't an issue in your earlier years. I slept over mates' places in my teenage years, and they even said, it "Sounded like you were choking." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." I never thought about it. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And I didn't feel bad at the time. I was okay, but it was yeah. just the start of it. Yeah. And um, my, <clears throat> uh, my wife now, one time she said it. She was like, yeah, you did that a couple of times last night. And she said, you should get a sleep test. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, maybe I will. And I really didn't think much of it. Yeah. But I did notice that I was starting to get very fatigued. You were at uni at this period of time when you got the test yeah, done. Yeah, yeah okay. like about a year to go. Right. Got it done and then you got the machine and made the world a difference. New person, Einstein 2.0. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. I went, I was, I, I yeah, 2.0. Yeah, I literally <laughs> doubled my course um, performance. Wow. I went from like the 50, 55, 60% and I was just like 85, 90%. Wow. And, um, like, and I, that's all I had to do was get a sleep machine. Yep. Um, and yeah, not afraid to admit that after a couple of days on that machine, I was sitting on the couch crying. Right. That, that was probably, that was a big life changing thing. Right. To go from, um, living in this cloud all of your life. Yeah. And then, um, one day you're sitting on the couch you're like, oh, I'm really awake really awake right now i haven't felt like this since i was a kid yeah i feel like i have the energy of being a kid again yeah and like you really do see see colors differently like when you're that tired Mm. like everything is toned down and dull yeah and quiet and weird like your little shell and then you have this machine you like see everything it's just it's life-changing wow okay all right, so you're 80% now. <laughs> just just through the roof, yeah. Going through the roof. And you finish your engineering degree. Yeah. Yeah. And that was at UQ or QT? Uh, UQ. UQ. You finish that. What are you doing straight after that? You're not with Claire um, anymore at this point, right? Oh, no, because I finished uni in 2019. Right. 
so yeah, and that was the irony is I left astrophysics because it's going to take seven years. And then I went and did engineering and it took like seven years. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let's, let's yeah. wind up, right? Yeah, yeah. So you, you stopped doing astrophysics, started doing engineering. You did that for how long before you, you took some sort of break or? Um, I went from astro straight to engineering. Right. Yep. And I was kind of doing that. I was doing it part time. I was doing kind of do it three subjects because I'd actually um, collected some credits from astro Right. I've gotten some math especially and electromagnetics and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of that's applicable. Yeah. Yeah, so I probably had the first couple of years um, cut out a few courses and I was doing part-time mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah, yeah. And and then unfortunately it was the second year of uni, a uh, second year of engineering where my friend um, committed suicide. Right. So um, yeah, that was that was that was a rough one. Mm. Um, that hit me a lot harder than I thought that it did. At the time, do you think you buried it a little bit? Her, her and I were very similar. Mm-hmm. And I guess not in a, um, like I, I probably wouldn't have dated her or, or like that sort of thing. I think she's just much more of a friend. Right. But there was, she was a, she was a bit of a, a, a mirror mm-hmm. to look at for me. She was she. She was sort of like a, a similar upbringing, and she was very clever, very very clever girl. Like, she was my age, and she was doing engineering in first year with me, and then first and second year with me. But she had already done pharmacy and medicine. Mm-hmm. Wow! So she Four done degrees. Yeah. Wow. And she's like, I'm going to do engineering. So she's, she's collecting bachelors at this point. Yeah. 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 So I think she's. That's incredible. Yeah. She was a very interesting person. She was very, I suppose, erratic in that sense that she's jumping around everywhere, but she's also very dedicated because she actually got through those courses. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't just be like, I'm going to try medicine for six months and then change. And oh, I'm going to try and do this other, you know, engineering and then change. Yeah. She finished pharmacy. She finished medicine. Wow. And then she's like, I'll do engineering. Wow. And then she starts doing that. Um, but I think that's kind of all part of the the personality that led her to what she did. She's very highly strung, anxious, you know, like the the was it the the the, the candle that bright, burns the brightest burns a short amount of time sort of thing. Right. She she affected a lot of people. A lot of people knew her and thought that she was great, mm. very happy, energetic, bouncy person. Yeah. But um yeah. Yeah, the other stuff going on there. And then she just ended up, I don't think so she could, it's almost like she couldn't handle being her anymore. Right. And so you guys had become quite close friends before that point in time. Yeah, yeah, we become quite close in first year. And then for the next 12 months, we sort of, we had different courses, so we weren't so close anymore and doing the same things anymore. Yeah. Just kind of dwindled off a little bit. But I guess the thing that really got to me, really upset me for a long time, and I try not to think about it even now, is that um, I was walking along the corridor at uni talking to like an, an, a teacher. Yeah. Um, and she walked past me the other way. And she looked at me and had a big smile. 
and I couldn't stop, so I waved, and her face dropped. And I was like, I really got to go and catch up with her and see how she's going. And it was that afternoon that she committed suicide. So that one stuck with me for a long time. Yeah. I was like, I should have stopped. I really should have talked to her. And it took me a long time to work through it and just realise that I probably couldn't have stopped her. Probably never would have stopped her. And I don't think anyone could have. Um, Even if I talked to her. It probably would have delayed it a month. And that's probably the best it would have done. And at that, after that point, um, did you have to go talk to anyone about that? Yes. Lots of people. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I went to the counsellor first and then I went to a, um, oh, I think they're just, yeah, I think it's called counsellors. And what's the, what's the next one? Not psychologist, um, kind of before that. Can't remember. Anyway. I progressively worked all my way up to a psychologist and then was just seeing psychologists for a while. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it was funny because that was a really big trigger. That really started me talking to psychologists about not just uh, what happened with this, this girl but also like a lot of stuff in the past about um, growing up with mum and, and um, the mindsets that I had. Right. And that helped you a lot? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I think that um, that really helped my my mindset towards things because it allowed me. I I started to gather tools to be able to figure out what's going on in my life, and why things are the way that they are, and why I do the things that I do, which I would recommend to anyone, to to everyone that they do that. You don't have to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist or whatever, but like it's just that inward reflection and and. Getting the tools from somewhere, like psychologists have the tools to help you and you do have to sometimes go to several because of the relationship, it's still a personal relationship that you have with them. But um, yeah, for the sake of like being reflective and, and helping to shape the rest of your life, like it's really good to understand yourself and um, it, it really did. Okay, moving on Yeah, from there. Yeah. So you've um, we, we were talking a little bit about how long it was taking to get through that degree. Mm. Did you take some time off from that degree at all during that point in time or you did part-time throughout the time? I did part-time, but that like power through it attitude that I had, I kept doing it probably when I should have stopped for a little bit, mm-hmm. especially after, after this happened. Time. Yep. And um, it was just a lot of failing courses. Um, so I just, I just kept going and I, and I think, I think it was the right thing to do actually to keep going because I remember feeling to my feeling that if I stop, I may never start again. I really was afraid that, um, that this thing had happened and it really knocked me around and that if I was like, I'm just going to go and take six months off, I, at that point was a was self-aware enough to realise that if I had gone home and just played PC games for six months to recover, I would probably never get out of that room. Be worse off. Yeah, I may never get out and finish the degree. Mm-hmm. 
um, yeah, you really want to just sit home and play PC games. But um, yeah, I think that was really the right choice. I think it was it was it was hard, and I failed courses, but I think I had to keep moving forward regardless of what it looked like. Yeah, um, the conversations yeah. with the psychologists and counselors really helped you get through that time and keep get, getting you go back to uni and stuff like that as well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah they did. Okay. Um, so then I I was living in this share place and had a lot of um, international students coming in and out um, that. Um, uh, I, I would kind of I, I was picking and choosing who was coming in the place. I'd mm. um, I'd live with a lot Overlord of people. Overlord Patrick. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Like I'd live with like thirty people at that point in share houses. So I kind of you get a good pick for who's going to be good and who's not. Yeah, and um, had some great people that I lived with. They probably helped out a lot as well. Just having good housemates, good people around, and that was kind of like living with the the family that I missed out on growing up with as well. Mm-hmm. One of the guys, a Canadian fella, is kind of like, he was kind of like my brother when we were living together. He was a, he's a funny guy. I still talk to him now. Um, he's back in Canada. But um, yeah, that was good fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so you finished your degree. Um, have you had another relationship during this period of time? During my degree, I had a few, yeah. Yeah. Just sometimes short things and um, it was one or two more more long, more longer term, like a couple of months or something. Right. But I just kind of got sick of it. I was kind of thought, no, nah, I'm going to concentrate on what I'm doing. Right. Um, and in the kind of the spirit of um, trying to better myself and keep learning more stuff, I started doing um, Winchin. Right. So I just started doing some martial arts Um get some confidence back and that really that helped as well yeah that that really you still helped. do that to today yeah yeah mm. so it's gonna be like four years or something i've been doing that now mm. or five years mm. um i'm not super dedicated don't go anywhere near as much as i should but it's just really good for your confidence and really good for your coordination um yeah i really enjoy it um and i really enjoy that style because it's kind of got got some obvious engineering little things in it as well like using angles and stuff like that it's like biomechanics so it was fascinating yeah and um that's where i met my wife right so yeah okay all right so i'm trying to put the timeline together <laughs> a lot of uh, things are happening hey <laughs> 2014 i started engineering yeah 2015 this uh girl passed away yeah um 2016 was a pretty rough year um, but uh, living in this share house the whole way through, dated a couple of girls along the way, and um, then it would have been 2018 I met Jess. Right. And started to... year before you finished uni. Yeah. Finished in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. End of 2017, I think, or, and beginning of 18, did I really... Yeah. And then, then I think about midway through 2018, we actually started to each other a lot more seriously awesome the love of your life yeah yeah she's wonderful yeah she is fantastic yeah jess is amazing um so you finish uni you've got this wonderful woman in your life everything's starting to come together you've really raised the bar from where you started right you're starting to work full-time as an engineer um i had you have to do this placement 
in of like 60 days or whatever it is for engineering, mm. as you would know. Um, and I was not getting anything anywhere. And I was starting to really freak out because if you don't get that, your degree is not really worth anything. <laughs> so I was like, oh, great. Um, better get that from somewhere. And I was just getting no's everywhere from everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and my housemate, the Canadian, was like, um, I know some dude in my uh, Bible study group who does engineering. Maybe I'll ask him. Yeah. And this is probably another one of those life-changing moments. <laughs> it was just, I was blown away by this. He's like, I just know this dude who does engineering. I'm like, okay, yep. He's like, I'll talk to him for you and he'll send you an email. And I was like, yeah, okay. And this will never my housemate, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My housemate doesn't know anything about engineering. Yeah. And um, I get this email and in the signature block is like group leader data 61 CSIRO. Yeah. And I went up to my housemate and I was like, are you kidding me, man? <laughs> He's like, what, is that good? And I was like, you have no idea, do you? <laughs> He's like, oh, I've got a friend who knows how to play tennis. He'll teach you if you want. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, who is he? Oh, Roger Federer? And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? Like, he, oh, he does a little bit of engineering. Like, yeah. this guy was like the group leader of robotics yeah. in Australian top research, st- so, um, you know, in Australia. Yeah. And I ended up going and working there and doing a thesis um, with um, uh, doing a thesis on a a, um, a module that was going on was was intended anyway to go on to a robot for DARPA. Wow! And I just went from I don't I don't have any engineering days up for my degree. What am I going to do? To oh yeah, I just do DARPA research like yeah. <laughs> in six months, and I was, I couldn't believe it, and I couldn't believe it. Yep. Wow! And you're absolutely loving it. Yeah, Data sixty one was amazing. Yep. I think yeah, probably for the electronics and the sort of work that I like, um, is probably still my favorite place from a technical standpoint. Yeah. Like um, but yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Now, bringing it to today, you don't have to disclose who you work for today, which is I think reasonable. Um, did you work for someone else in between Sarah and the place you work for today? No. 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 Okay. Okay, so you've become really quite a successful engineer at this point, I think, um, and you've really progressed quite oh, a know. long way, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you know, if we sit here and talk about my life from when I was a kid, yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think you should be incredibly proud of where you've... <laughs> I do okay. With the drive and determination that you've had to get to where you are today, there, mm. you know, by the sounds of it, a lot of opportunities to just give up. Mm. A lot of yeah. opportunities. And you've just had that drive and determination to keep pushing you forward because you're like, I don't want to go back to where I came from. Mm. Yeah. And it's, um, it's incredibly impressive. Incredibly impressive. So take me to a Monday morning today in your new life for where you are now. What are you doing? The alarm goes off. I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm either angry because I've woken up too late or I've woken up too early. <laughs> and I have to go and make a coffee. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, even just where I'm living and what I'm doing now is just um, unheard of for 
where I was 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. Absolutely unheard of. Like sometimes I still wake up and I'm like, I, I can't believe that I live here and I'm doing this and I've got this wonderful person that I live with. Um, she's just, yeah, she's just amazing. I, 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 when I wake up on Monday morning and she's there, that's like, that's all you need, right? Mm. That's just wonderful. Mm. And I get up and I go and make my coffee and get ready for work and head into the office on the bus and by the time I get into the office I'm actually awake so yeah and then I have really good really good team of people that I that I work with as well yep um out pretty late last night with them drinking a lot <laughs> a lot more than I planned <laughs> I, I I had like three beers and I thought I'll just have three beers real quick and then... Real quick. Yeah. Re- oh, I was drinking my third and everyone else was on their first. And I was like, I'll just do it real quick because I'm probably going to cut this night short and go home. Yeah. And then some of the team leaders start buying vodka shots. I was like, okay, I'll have one. I'll have three. <laughs> three. <laughs> oh, yeah, so that person doesn't want theirs. I'll have four. <laughs> And I do not know how I got home. I think I walked home. Yeah. But um, they're just really great guys yep. as well um, to work with and their attitudes towards managing people and managing work is, um, yeah, it's it's a bit rushed because of the nature of what we're doing, but they've got a very good attitude towards people. So I'm probably working in one of the, oh, well, I am working in one, in the best place that I've ever worked in. Mm. Um, besides technical work in Syro, like this is just for the people and the stuff that we're doing here is just um, amazing. Um, I've got really good friends. I've got the the best wife in the world. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A week in a day in my life now is just completely different. Yep. what I ever expected I would ever get to. And I keep saying it to people like yourself and like other friends where I'm like, oh, I don't know how I got here, what I did. <laughs> and when you reflect on it like this, you're like, oh, yeah, I probably actually did that. And like, yeah, I probably got here. Yep. Like, I definitely wasn't handed to me. Mm. Those trials and tribulations didn't stop though until early this year as well, right? Mm. So you had a near-death experience this year. Literally. Which I assume um, has changed you Well, last November, again. I got <laughs> a, a, a changed position into this new team, Yeah, which was a great place to move into. And then life's like, oh, <laughs> have one of these. <laughs> Here you go. How close would you like to come to dying today? <laughs> and, yeah, the surgeon... Couldn't believe it as well. Even she was like, this just doesn't really happen to people your age. Mm. So, yeah, I, I just had a I had a spontaneous um, bowel perforation. Uh, no cause found. No reason for it. It just happened. And if I wasn't already in a hospital and close to a theatre, then um, I, yeah, probably wouldn't have made it. And I got told in a very interesting way too. I had uh, came out of surgery and I had this guy with an Irish accent come up to me in a really dark room and he was dark and had a really low tone of voice and he was like, oh, yeah, that was a pretty bad one. <laughs> <laughs> what 
What do you mean? And I had a lot of fentanyl and a lot of these drugs was going at the time, painkillers, and um, I was like, what? What? Like, what's scary, man? What are you saying? And he goes, oh, yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> and he left. And then I just was laying there for hours thinking like, holy crap. And then this other surgeon, this woman comes in, and she is a very chipper woman, very happy, like, you know, um, and every time she came in and talked, she was like, hey, how are you today? How are you going? Oh, yeah, so are you feeling comfortable? Oh, we're going to take this stuff out later. And it's like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, she's nice. She She's loving it. And then I was like, so how bad was this? What actually happened? Oh, and you nearly died. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how she said it. Oh, you nearly died. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, you probably wouldn't have lived 24 hours. Like with all the expressions and everything. I don't know if you can see it there. Almost died. Almost died. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. I think I actually was like, cool. And she was like, yeah, I'll be sure right now. And then she left. And wow. I was like, okay. Yeah, that was weird. So I spent about, an hour, about a month in total in hospital this year. Yeah. Multiple procedures. Yeah. And you had a colostomy, everything, right? So yeah, ili- ileostomy. Ileostomy, bag, yeah. yeah. Same difference. Yeah. yeah. Having to change a bag and empty a bag and... I wouldn't recommend that. Not Degrades even. you a little bit, right? I guess so. I was angry at it, but I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure why I was so angry at it. I, it was frustrating. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was just kind of scary too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. I think it was like a bit of a degrading sort of a thing. Mm. Um. And like, you know, this is this is life, my life now, and like, what's happening? You know, and at least they told me pretty much um, st- straight off the bat that like I wouldn't have it for long; that I would only have it for a couple of months, which was can't imagine having that thing for the rest of my life. But it ended up being a bit longer than that as well, didn't it? Uh yeah, yeah. Hospital admin issues, yeah, <laughs> which were story for another ridiculous, day. <laughs> ridiculous. I um, I was in the I was in the ward for a colonoscopy to check whether or not they would reverse it and it was all good. The guy next to me had COVID. I was a close contact and my surgery was like seven days later and I asked them, can I still do the surgery? Yes. I'm on the phone to them two days later. Can I still do the surgery? Yes. Go in to the day of the surgery, go up to the counter. Can I still do the surgery? You know, I'm a close contact, right? Yes. Go into the prep room and take my clothes off and put on a gown. The nurse comes in and says, "We're not doing it. You're a close contact." I was like, <sighs> I was raging in that because you're you're really tense. You're about to go into surgery. That's right. And you're really tense because and you want this thing gone, mm. and you've done all the right things. And then this chick's just like, nah. <laughs> and the surgeon comes up. And he's like, oh, "I'm yeah, I'm really sorry, man. We just can't do it." Just can't do it. It's not against policy. And because of the way the policy worked, it was like seven days. And I was sitting in there at like 10 a.m. And technically seven days was up in three hours time. I was like, and now I go home for two more weeks and wait. So, yeah. Very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all gone now. So Patrick in November last year, is he different from Patrick today significantly from that experience? Yeah. How yeah. so? Um, I think my attitude towards stressful things has changed a lot. 
I find myself saying when I'm getting too stressed, like, what, what's the deal with swearing here? Can we swear? <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can go for it. We'll just bleep it out later. Just censor that, censor that. Um, I, I get really stressed about something sometimes and I just think it's not fucking worth it. You'll put your... Battery exhausted. Oh no, we've lost it. Oh no, <laughs> we'll just put in some some um, random video. We'll have to, yeah. Cartoonize it. Hopefully, it oh, saves yeah. the video. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, oh, we'll no. figure it out later. How much time have we still got? Actually, we got to get out of here. Oh uh, no, we've got time. It's okay. uh, we've got another forty-five minutes. Well, sorry, at, you know, thirty-five minutes. Could always restart yeah. recording on my phone <laughs> if you want. That's <laughs> no, right. No, right. We just we'll continue on. All right. Okay. Power three. Um, yeah. So I just find myself saying that, and I say to myself, like, it's not, it's not worth it. Like, you're gonna put yourself in the hospital again, mm-hmm. um, because even though it's not like a a, a, a a sure fact, I do feel like um, stress was uh, probably the big contributor to that happening, mm-hmm. um, and through many mechanisms. Like being very stressed, not sleeping enough, mm-hmm. being very stressed and forgetting to drink water and not exercising and just getting a whole lot of tension built up. And basically I think I sleep deprived and dehydrated myself into that colon popping. So if I start getting stressed now, I just kind of think, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth going back to the hospital again over this, over some document I'm writing right now. It's just not worth it. Right. So the Patrick now is a little bit more free in life, happy to do whatever. Do you think you're a little bit more stricter on yourself before? Yeah, probably a little bit more level-headed. Right. In the past, I was probably um, very strict on myself at work and with trying to organize myself and do things and do it right and be perfect and had this big perfectionist problem that I've always had. That goes a long way back as well. And I think I've cut the top off that peak, which has meant that when I get free time to myself, I don't need to lash out as much. You know, like um, that that, uh, quote in The Simpsons, like, we work hard, we Way hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just, if you work, you, you push yourself too hard. Like you kind of go a bit mental when you've got time to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I do that a bit less now. Like, and it doesn't have to mean like play hard. Like, oh, I go out and drive my car at 200Ks now around corners. Like not that sort of thing. But just like what I would consider relaxing, I can ease up a bit on it now. I don't find myself like trying to escape so much because I'm not so stressed out from day-to-day work that I need to. So, um, yeah, that's probably a big change. Big change that's come along since last year. Right. Well, it sounds like positive things overall that you've taken from that experience that was overwhelmingly negative. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that that's fantastic positive impacts on your life and it's great that you've... It sounds like from all the experiences that you've had thus far... You've, you've taken something from it. You've said, okay, well, I can do this better or we can go here or, you know, 
continue pushing yourself forward in a direction that's overwhelmingly positive, um, which I think is fantastic. You've done an excellent job. No, thanks, man. Thank you. With it, and especially for someone, you know, by the sounds of it, hasn't had strong role models. You've kind of been your own role model in that way. Would you say that? Yeah. Yeah, I've tried to find role models in other places, as you do, and I think I think that's what a lot of people try to do as well. Mm-hmm. You get you go on a Marvel binge and think Captain America will teach me how to be a better man, like, <laughs> and that's not even a joke. I swear, like that is <laughs> that's not where I thought it was going. That's, uh, <laughs> no, that's that's seriously. Yeah, there. no, I think that that's probably one of the big issues with like um, growing up without a dad. Like, it's I've I have had other friends in the same situation and that's what they do you got to find a role model somewhere and the people will latch on to something that they want to emulate because that's the better thing that they want to be and if it's a tv character then they'll do it mm. if it's a movie character or even people in books so all that stuff you find these characters and and yeah i think I think that did affect me a bit. I, I couldn't quite put my finger on exactly who they were, but um, I've definitely had certain characters and that in my life come along that um, in movies and that that have helped me to be better because I think that would be a better way of of living. That's really interesting. Mm. <clears throat> but yeah, I think with some of the the perfectionism and the how hard I am on myself, Tom, sometimes I'm not so much my own role model. I'm probably more of my own. Whip cracker, <laughs> and I just like get annoyed at myself for not doing better, right? And that's probably died down a lot. That has died down a lot since this thing, um, this year, right? It's not so hard on myself anymore. Well, that's a positive thing, right? Mm. You know, I, you probably still are driven, but not not uh, driving yourself into the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not good. <laughs> Definitely to do a that. line there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not good to to uh, drive yourself insane. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, what's motivating you now? What what would be prime motivator to continue to go to work, to continue to make money? Ah, oh, just keep being better at my job. Yeah. I, I guess money. Money's never been a huge motivator for me. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather do something I like doing. I, I can be very, I can manage money well and I like to manage money. But to me, it's a math game. Mm-hmm. Like if I earn 50,000, I'll do this math. If I earn 150, I'll do this math. Mm-hmm. But I'd take a pay cut to be happier. Um, not too much of a pay cut. Not not that much, um, but I still gotta live. Still gotta <laughs> yeah. live, um, but yeah, no, I think so. And just I think, I think I'm just. It's just in general, just trying to be a better person all the time. Um, I don't know how cliche that sounds, but yeah, I just want to be a. Just want to be a better person, better husband, and a better, better uh, workmate, and a better friend, um, and yeah just trying to figure out what that even is like at work sometimes like what can actually make you be a a better friend at work or a better worker um better at your job that can take up quite a lot of your 
thinking, even just trying to figure that sort of thing out sometimes. Mm. But yeah, role models help a lot. Mm. As soon as I find good ones, it actually makes the whole process a lot easier. So, <laughs> so um, I've learned a lot from you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Offer up what I can. <laughs> oh, got a lot to offer. Positive and negative. Got I'm a lot, sure. yeah, got a lot to offer, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so you're 20 years old again, but you know everything you know now. What would you tell yourself? What would you do differently? Um, get on board that uh, big housing crash in the US <laughs> and uh, 2008, right? Yeah, you get on board that crash and make so much money that I just can play games all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think, be, I think we've got down to the nut of your aspirations in life now. <laughs> play video games. <laughs> I see, right. No, actually, if I could. No, that, that, yeah, no, there's actually quite a serious answer to that question because I have thought about that. Yeah. And I thought, like, I would do a lot differently. I would still probably have similar motivations and, and um, do things for similar reasons, but, um, yeah, do a lot differently. And I, I, I think I'd be able to take better steps. You know, like I fumbled around a lot in my 20s trying to figure out what I was doing. I'd probably just do engineering just straight up and not muck around with all the other stuff. Um, I I guess if I knew everything that I know now back then, I'd probably be able to handle people and situations a lot better. Um, yeah, because even at 20, I still wasn't great socially. And I don't know. I probably still would keep on a similar career path. Mm-hmm. Probably the uh, the experiences you had between those ages of 20 to 30 really developed you into the person you are today. It'd be harder to give yourself that feedback perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's probably, probably it's something I regret that I'm trying to stop regretting is that the stuff that I, a lot of the stuff that I learnt and picked up on in between 20 and 30 is the sort of stuff I'm pretty sure most people pick up between about 15 and 20. I feel like I missed out on a bit. Okay. Um, as I get older, I realize I, I did stuff in my younger years that other people are only going through now. So I've, like, it all comes out in the wash when you get to like 40 or 50 years old, like, you know? So, yeah, just experiences growing up with mum and having to deal with, deal with, um, those sorts of challenges, yeah, it's not what uh, I, I think is not what a lot of people have to go through. Right. So on the on the video game theme, mm. if you can delete a, a personal trait in a video game, right, mm. you could change a trait about yourself. Perhaps if life was like that, what trait would you uh, delete? Can only choose one. Um, at this point in time, I think I still, I still have trouble relaxing. Okay. I take things a bit too seriously. 
and you know, like even last night, just have a couple of drinks and I feel like a different person. And I actually kind of feel more like the person I want to be because I'm too tense still. I think I, I – and I think actually, yeah, I think I know what it is. I still worry too much about what other people think. That's probably what it is. Every time I get into a conversation or, or a situation, I'm too worried about what people think. That's probably what I'd get rid of. And that's okay. what makes me feel tense. Hmm. Like right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one day when weed's legal, we can smoke. <laughs> There's <laughs> Joe Rogan. <laughs> that's right. Okay. So five years from now, what do you want to achieve? Just be CEO. <laughs> Rise to the top. Uh, no, I don't know. Five years. Yeah, just five years is kind of a long time, hey? Like, and there are things that are changing in my life right now that um, are going to make for the next five years seem you know, hard to compute. I guess just want to you know, keep keep being better, keep being a better person, keep improving, um, keep improving in my work, keep working on interesting things. Um, yeah. Do you have a particular financial goal? Um, in five years, you know, setting up stuff that will bring in that passive income. I think the longer term is like passive income is, would be a great thing to have in large amounts. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, you got to get started, and I think it'd just be good to actually to get good at that sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, you got to be a bit creative, I think, sometimes to do that, or you got to be willing to take some risks. So, you know, do I really get on to more share trading, or do I start buying houses? Got or some cryptocurrencies mm. you can buy. <laughs> mm, yeah, are you selling them to me straight out of your wallet? Are you? <laughs> this one's great. <laughs> buy this one right now. Thousand dollars a coin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe, um, yeah, yeah. I probably should think about that sort of thing a little bit more, really. But I think at the end of the day, just day to day, I my goal is always to just kind of keep absorbing more. So I'd like to know things in detail and understand things and helps me to piece together the world in a way that you know, I can do something with it. And that's probably what I value the most. So yeah, financially it'd be great to to have like um, to be financially independent, um, as they say, with some like passive income and having it be able to take care of itself um, and not have to worry too much about money. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't want to go out and buy super expensive everything just because I can because I, I I actually don't really like that sort of thing. Like, not not to the point where I I don't. Like, like like I hate it. I just myself personally, I, I like to do things efficiently. So I like to go out there and optimize my decisions. Okay. I would buy a Ferrari though. <laughs> I really want a track car. Hey, that's, great track that's car. actually a good aspiration. Yeah, no, that's a good answer. Um, I want a Ferrari track car. Okay. Yeah. All right. You should get it on a poster. Above your bed, I think mm. it's the best thing to do. I'm sure Jess will approve. <laughs> On the roof. You can, <laughs> you can at stare at it, at it yeah. every night. Yeah. 
<laughs> I love it. Um, all righty. So to wrap this up, <clears throat> I want you to provide some advice to someone, a young person today, um, on their journey and how they can get to the things that they want to do, um, achieve the dreams that they want to achieve. What would be your advice? Jeez, that's an easy question. <laughs> so, sorry, let's just understand the question a bit more. Like, just anyone? Just anyone. Anyone who wanted to ask help? I, I guess I would probably tailor it a bit depending on the circumstances they're in because I know that from my circumstances, I would probably tell younger me something different to what I would tell younger uh, old mate over there. Well, um, I'll say this. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people young people who have been in similar positions that you you have been in the past, although not exactly the same, right? But, you know, might have come from a, a poorer background or lived with a single parent or, you know, had other troubles in their life. Um, and they have ideas of where they want to be, but they're not sure that they can actually achieve it, right? Mm. Um, you know, like we mentioned earlier, you've, you've come a long way from where you started um, and... I think, uh, you know, you probably have some unique insights in that regard, um, many that we've we've drawn from today, but perhaps you can summarise that in a, a statement. Yeah, that's really hard. I guess... Um I guess if yeah, if anyone like that was listening right now, I'd say um, um, you can do it. You can do it. And the reason I say that is because it's the positive reinforcement that you give people that are going to help them to believe that they can do something. And... Yeah, find people who will support you, who people who will support you doing the things that you would like to do and try to avoid the people that are negative and you know, bullying or you know saying that you can't do it. Find, find people that are supportive, that are good friends, and I know that can be really hard to do. That's a very generic sounding statement, but um, they are out there. There's plenty of people like that. And I think I I think um one of the th- big lessons that I've learned through all of this through my life is that um there are those people out there who will support you and help you. But you've got to be brave enough to ask. And for some people, it's it's obvious, like oh yeah, of course, like that's um, no, nothing new. But uh, I think people who grew up <coughs> in circumstances similar to mine tend to stay quiet because it's a risk. And if you already feel like you're in a scary place, you don't take risks. Anxiety kind of stops you from doing that. And if you're brave enough to go and ask people, you know, even at the risk that you still will be laughed at, just yeah, you, you just got to keep persisting 
and don't worry about the people that will you know, be negative and say you can't do stuff. Again, very generic, but it's you just got to kind of remind yourself of that as well over and over. And there are plenty of motivational speeches and stuff that I've heard in the past that you you hear a truth in it and you get like really stuck on it and like magnetized towards it because you kind of know like that's something that you need to hear, that there's something about that that is really meaningful to you. And there's things like that in the past that I've heard and I'll just play on a loop over and over again because like there's something about it that's speaking to me and yeah, that's kind of what it is, I guess. It's like um, you just got to keep at it even if it's not working out. Um and find those sort of supportive people. Um, yeah, you know, that's off the top of my head. That's about all I can think of. I think yeah. that's a fantastic summary, um, and I agree with what you're saying. Um, well, thank you very much, Patrick. Oh, no it's been a wonderful, man. no worries, wonderful chat with you. Oh, I can take a breath out now. <laughs> oh man. Um, oh, no, it's been really good, man. It, it has was, been it good. Was fantastic. I, I feel like we we've barely scratched the surface in. Uh, really in all of the experiences that you've had um, throughout your life. But I think we've, we've captured um, a re- relatively good detail for, for someone to understand where you've come from, where you are today and, and help them um, and inspire them to, to be better people. So mm. thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. No worries, man. No worries. <laughs> no worries. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Mm-hmm.